Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Prince of Peace. Prince of peacefulness, peace that passes understanding, rivers of peace, living oil of peace. The richest measure of divine peace come upon your hearts and your minds. I pray that you would find the peace of the Lord Jesus today in a major way. There is so much anxiety, there is so much stress in this world, the pressure to perform, even in Christianity, the pressure to do instead of the rest to be. We need to find the green pastures within us. The promised land is already inside our hearts. Song of Songs says, I have found the promised land within you. There's a promised land of milk and honey. It's a place of peace. Our promised land is perfect peace for our hearts, our souls, and our bodies. Our spirits, our souls, and our natural realm in perfect peace continuously. Unbroken peace is where we're going. This is where the river is taking us. It's taking us home to be at peace on earth as it is in heaven. As it is written in Romans 16, 20, soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. This peace is war against stress, anxiety, and pressure to perform. The works that you're tempted to do is what cuts you off from peace. There's a rest that we enter where we know the Father as the worker. Most Christians have yet to know the Father in them doing the works, and that's why there's so much anxiety in their souls, so much noise. That pressure is unholy. That pressure is actually the fallen angels. There's a pressure of pride, and there's a rest of humility. We need to go 100% into the rest of humility. That is the fresh, green pasture. That is the still, refreshing waters. There's a stillness, and there's a refreshment in the, finis the finished works of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it directly combats witchcraft, which is that buzzing noise that needs to do, to needs to, that needs to be seen. That's that performance garbage that is the spirit of Antichrist working against your peace and rest. It works against the sacrifice of the Lamb. The two trees in the garden is you still trying to be the sacrificial Lamb and the lamb that's been slain before the foundation of the world. One's Antichrist, and one's God, Christ. The Antichrist system is you being the sacrifice, and not partaking in His sacrifice for you. That's what religion is. That's the climax of the ages, is religious self-righteousness. Look what I'm doing. I become the sacrificial lamb 
instead of partaking in his sacrifice. I tell you the truth, that's what it boils down to. Being something that looks good apart from his goodness is the fullness of the fallen angels. Being good apart from his goodness is the fullness of Satan's pride. That's what you deal with and struggle with in Christianity after you're born again. That's all the temptations of the fallen angels is to not be fully slain with him. To have something of your own that you can take credit for. I tell you, one fly like that will ruin the ointment, will ruin the fragrance of Christ. It will rob your life. It's still living under the wings of a fallen angel until you become the fullness of his slain sacrifice, until you partake in his works entirely and completely with no additions. That is so crucial. I mean, that. I wish I could just shake your shoulders right now and shake your souls and and press that upon your spirits and brand it upon your minds and burn it into your bone marrow. How important it is to not add to a sacrifice. And dying to self is dying to trying to add to the Trinity. You have to understand that that is the foundation of salvation, is not being anything additional to what God has perfectly already provided for you. Anything you add in addition to His sacrifice is the trampling of His blood underfoot and self-condemnation by, by partaking in the fallen angel's pride. <laughs> it's pride. That's how we kill ourselves as sheep, as Christians. We're people, we love God, we read the Bible, we pray in tongues, we, we're into the gifts, we love all the, we love all the stuff. I mean, we're, we're charismatic, glory Christians. But there are still whole areas of our hearts and our minds and our flesh that need refinement. And this refinement comes in the fullness of His sacrifice, removing anything we add in addition to it. Those additions are always demons. And some people add a lot. They do. Look at all the stuff I know. Look at all the stuff about me. Until you become crystal clear and sparkling, and there's nothing left of you, you're not going to really understand who God is. Adam and Eve didn't understand who God was that well. And they had walked with God in perfect union. They did, in perfect union. But they didn't. Why? How did Adam and Eve fall out of perfect love union? They were perfectly one spiritually, mentally, and physically in the fullness of the glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As it is written, in our image created we them, King James Version. In our, plural, image created we them. So it's talking about Adam and Eve created in the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Very important. Very, very important that you understand the Trinity because it deals with the fullness of divinity in your spirit, the fullness of divinity in your soul, and the fullness of divinity in your bones. 
That's why Hebrews 4.12 separates bones from marrow. Because there are whole aspects of the Lord Jesus, who says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, over and over, right? There are whole aspects of divinity that you will be clueless about until it becomes physical to you, in your bones. Jeremiah 5 says, His word is fire in my bones. Holy Ghost. Ezekiel 37, prophesy to the dry bones. You have to remove the death from the bones by the word of Jesus burning in your marrow. There are levels of glory that you'll never taste until your bones and your marrow begin to change by being partakers of His divine flesh. He's transfigured in celestial flesh. It is written, Book of Philippians. And we in like manner will be changed into the exact likeness of His celestial flesh, one translation says in Philippians. There's a transfiguration of your bones and marrow and your blood Because blood is light. Blood is congealed light. And there's a changing of your blood. There's animal blood. There's the blood of fish. There's the blood of reptiles. And there's human blood. And there's the blood of Jesus. There's the blood of Abel. And there's the blood of Jesus. There's different levels of glory and light in different types of blood. It says it in the scriptures, there's the blood of the animals, there's the blood of goats and beasts and bulls, and there's the, but the blood of humans has the, the ability to transfigure in the bones, Ezekiel 47, pro, uh, Ezekiel 37, prophesying to these bones so that the bones produce a different type of blood that doesn't have death in it anymore. That's where we're going. Your bones go with you. What does it say? Michael the archangel wrestled with Satan over the bones of Moses. And Joseph said, when you leave Egypt, take my bones with you and gave you specific instructions about the burial of his bones because he saw himself resurrected. (laughs) Amen. He saw the blood of the lamb slain for him and a different type of of blood coming forth through his bones. Can these dry bones live in the graveyard? Come on. We're talking about the resurrection of the dead on the third day. Can the dry bones live? Now we have blood produced in our bones. That's where your blood's produced from. And we're alive at different measures of life. But are we alive at his measure of life? At his wholeness at the right hand of God? Spiritually, yes. Spiritually, mentally, every one of us is at a different level mentally. Our spirits are all different sizes and have different color of the rainbow inside our spirit, which is a cloud of glory with a rainbow inside the cloud, which is how much the seven spirits of God have been developed inside your spirit, how wise you are, how much wisdom has built her seven pillars. Proverbs 9 says, that's how developed in the fullness of God the Father's wisdom, your spirit is, every single human spirit is completely different. All different. That's why it's written, every angel differs in size, Romans says. All the angels differ in brightness. So it is also with every Christian spirit. How does your spirit develop into becoming a gigantic morning star spirit that can turn earth 
back into a star. They can turn Saturn back into a star. They can turn Venus and Pluto and Neptune back and Mars back into stars. They can transform the heavens into righteousness, to, to remove the darkness from fallen territories that we are born in of the flesh, but are born again in of the Spirit to grow from one degree of brightness and splendor to a greater degree of brightness and splendor by the glory of God the Father burning inside our spirits. How? By feasting on His flesh, by feasting on His blood, by feasting on His Father, and by feasting on His seven blazing torches before His throne. Amen. Behold the Lion of Judah, who's able to open the seven seals, who's able to fully regenerate the human spirit back into what Adam and Eve walked in before the fall. But it took us 6,000 years of beating our head against a brick wall called the flesh realm, the abilities of the brain apart from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to learn what we had in the beginning was the fullness. You know what I mean? That there was nothing in addition. God had given us absolute perfection by giving us Himself. And through the humbling of 6,000 years of our own pride, realizing what we had in the beginning was perfection, we get all of that back plus the wisdom of the ages. All of our experiences, as horrible as most of them have been through the curse of the fall the last 6,000 years, have enabled us through experience, because wisdom is knowledge plus experience, has enabled us to operate now in the staff of the ages and in the wisdom of the ages. Amen? So that we have a six-fold thickness of a white garment of everything that's transpired over the ages made righteous through the blood of the Lamb. Meaning, the spot and the wrinkles of our own pride and lust not believing the word of God in the beginning was enough is removed from our record of wrongdoing and our record record of unbelieving as if we've never sinned before. Because why? Because we're sheep. We're sheep. We are not like the angels who were covering cherubim. We had flesh, which means we're weak and vulnerable. And when we're weak, He's strong. And His strengths are perfected in our weaknesses. And living under the fallen angels as a false covering for thousands and thousands of years in this world has made us extremely weak, but spiritually extremely strong, so that the pride of the angels would be completely and totally confounded by those who sacrifice all the abilities of the flesh for the abilities of the power of the Holy Spirit. And this proves the superiority to Satan and his angels and every angel who left their post in heaven the perfection of God's ways of humility the perfection of humility the perfection of the Son of God the perfection of the Spirit of God and the perfection of the fathering of God the Father and so the two thirds that, that, that have stayed in their post that have stayed in the glory, in obedience to the word, in honor to the word of humility, have learned through the ages that God is good and all of his judgments are perfect. 
and that many millions of men and women have come into agreement with the holy angels. That God's ways are perfect and His judgments are perfect. And those that have not come into agreement with the judgments and the ways of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are left in confusion of their own pride and unrighteous judgment towards the ways of humility and virginity and judgment that, the, that those things bring. Because there's no greater judgment than humility and virginity. Why? Because pride and lust are adultery, immorality, and idolatry. All the sins that are in the world are in idolatry and immorality, all of them. And you could even say it's just an idolatry, that all sin and all wrongdoing is bound up in idols or any place where there's non-flowing waters. <laughs> it's true. Idolatry is any place in your life you've stepped out of the river and have lived for self and there's idol waters. And you'll have to go to the, the river and rob God to do your own little thing in the sand. Stuff that's still about me instead of serving He who's on the throne. Because the truth is, is we haven't learned to fully trust God for every area of our life. That we think that God is going to rip us off of maximum pleasure, of maximum prosperity. And it really is. It's about money for most people that they don't believe God will be able to provide for them the ultimate life that they want to live so that they're tempted by Satan to make money apart from the living waters, which is the biggest joke of all time. But that's actually how Satan has gotten most American Christians out of the river. I've been watching it for a decade. A decade. It's astonishing. They actually think they can live a higher quality of life by doing stuff apart from the river of life, apart from the springs, apart from humility. Like there's a marketplace out there that I can, you know, be a businessman in the world and it's going to provide for me a happier life than what God could give me in the living waters. All of that nonsense is going to get washed and cleansed because God's a businessman and He's about to take all the marketplace and all the trading in all the seas of the world, and all the silver seas, and all the gold seas, and all the crystal seas. And there are many trading seas. There will be pathways in the heavens, there will be pathways on the earth, and it will all be cleansed by the river of glory. All trading, and all business, and all marketplace in the world will be cleansed from Satan and his angels, and all selfishness. Can you do business out of love? That's the only way you can do business. Yeah, there is love in business. There is, there is an absolute perfect love. you got to understand, the angels still do business. The angels do business with men. There is a trading between angels and men. That's why men judge angels. <laughs> and the better of a, of a job that the business of the angels do for the men and women the greater the, the rewards through the men and women throughout the ages. That some angels are held in high respect and regard because they sacrificed so much for the men and women they served in this life. It's true. You do business with angels every day, whether you know it or not. Every word, every action, all your blood, sweat, and tears, everything you do in life is interacting with angels continuously. 
In the past, a lot of it has been with fallen angels, because anything you do in selfishness and in pride and in lust is interaction with the fallen angels. Every time you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're making a deal with Satan and his angels. Now, do they come with a pitchfork and horns on their head? No, it's energy. It's a trading system of energy. They're trading at altars. 1 Corinthians says, Can we eat from the tables of demons and from the table of the Lord at the same time? Clearly, the Corinthians were. So, yes, you can. The issue is getting enough revelation and enough purity in you that you don't participate with the tables of demons anymore because you're deceived. What makes the Corinthians or so many Christians such infants in Christ is they have half their life in the world, in Babylon, practicing dark, selfish magic, practicing dark, selfish lust, which is black magic, practicing dark, selfish religion pride, which is white magic, practicing the magic of the fallen angels, the corrupted magic of Satan and his angels, the magic arts, are just everywhere because it's the potent sorcery of Babylon the Great that deceived all, the whole world that you need to take care of yourself by sacrificing others. That's what magic arts are of Satan and his angels. It's personal gain at other people's expense. A lot of people have sacrificed their own families and their own children for personal gain. I've seen it all the time amongst businessmen in, in America. It's actually extremely rare to find someone that's self-sacrificial. But they're out there, and they're not always Christians. There's some people that live by these codes of righteousness simply because it's pressed upon their heart as the right thing to do. You don't have to go to church oftentimes to practice what's written in the Bible. People can go without searing their conscience simply because the Holy Spirit has been sent out into all the world. There are men and women here that don't go to church that often walk in more righteousness than the men and women that go to church. It's astonished me. I've been looking at it for 20 years. Going to church doesn't make you a good person. Obeying the Spirit of God in your softened heart and mind is what makes you a saint. It's what makes you a righteous man and woman. And there is going to be a full revealing of all things by the living waters from the holy child Jesus who will come in such a childlike way that all of the adult pride will be exposed for what it is. It's, what it is is the seed of Cain and the seed of the Pharisees and the seed of Herod. Stuff that pretends to be good on the outside but is inwardly dead men's bones. Why does he refer to the wickedness of Satan and his angels inside the Pharisees as dead men's bones? Well, because they had fallen angels attached to their bones. Oh, they were actually fueling Satan's kingdom by practicing an outward righteousness, but an inward selfish wickedness. They actually had fallen angels ascending and descending upon them from the sky through the light of the sun, back into Saturn, back into Venus, back into Neptune, back into the fallen planets of the solar system, because the fallen angels left their posts and actually recruit people, men and women, on this planet as sorcerers 
to use them to build up their kingdoms. And they siphon the blood, they siphon the good things, and they'll work through human flesh and blood to kill, steal, and destroy, especially from God's people for 6,000 years. That's why Cain killed Abel. Because Cain immediately started working with the fallen angels and started stealing from the living to build up the kingdom of darkness. That's why he was called the son of Satan in the book of Peter. There are sons and daughters of Satan and there are sons and daughters of God. And oftentimes, the majority of the time, the sons and daughters of Satan always appear as the good covenant people, as the sons and daughters of God. That's why it's written, Satan will come as an angel of light, masquerading, deceiving even the elite if it were possible. Oh yeah. And Satan himself masquerades as a lion, but it's not the lion of Judah. How do you know the difference? You'll know the difference by the fruit. The kindness, the gentleness, the patience, the long-suffering of the good shepherd. First of all, he'll lead them to still waters. Let's read Psalms 23. The characteristics of a good shepherd or a good leader, because that's what all of us are being transformed into. Every single one of us at the sound of my voice is a harvester of the great harvest of the end times. And so we're learning how to be perfect leaders through all the things we're going through for years and years and years and years. And so we deal with so many bad leaders because that's our job to remove the bad leaders, the selfish leaders, the Pharisees, the dead men's bones, the sons and daughters of Satan that have taken places of leadership all over the world and they're not qualified. They're thieves. They're all going to be removed from their post because they're the sons and daughters of Satan. And the sons and daughters of God with the two-thirds living waters and the two-thirds holy stars that obey God will begin to take their posts in leadership in every sector of society to heal this planet. Psalms 23. David's poetic praise to God. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in His luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where He restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in His footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to His name. Lord, even when Your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Amen? Hallelujah. So one thing I often do to encounter this word in the river of life is in my, in my renewed mind, I just go right into Eden. I just close my eyes, and this word is so written upon my spirit and upon my soul that I see the green pastures. As it is written, the spirit of truth will lead you to an altar. So the spirit of truth will now lead your mind through your heart 
into the Garden of Eden. I want every single one of you to experience these green pastures, to lie down in tender green pastures, and to lay down beside still refreshing waters, so that every one of you from experience can know the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ in the third heaven. While your body is still on earth, let your hearts and minds be taken up now. And that grass is alive. As you lay down in that green grass, it's like perfect newness of life flowing into your flesh, flowing into your bones, flowing into your brains, flowing into your heart and mind and soul and strength. It renews your strength like the eagle. It heals every sickness and disease. It removes every curse. It removes every negative thing that the enemy has ever done to you throughout all time as you learn how to rest and lie down in the green pastures of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And I just see him coming and pouring living waters in your mouths and reviving you today. He's giving everyone a drink. <laughs> I see him holding us like little sheep. We're always going to be a sheep. I don't care if you're a King David or an Enoch or a Solomon. <laughs> you're never too mature to be a little sheep in the arms of Jesus. Like little children, we enter the kingdom. We are the children of God. Even in a mature bridal state of ruling and reigning, you can just cuddle with Him as a sheep and let Him feed you. You'll always be a child of God. You'll always be a son and daughter, just like Jesus to the Father. Amen. Even now, see the Father coming to you and pouring His love into your mind, into your mouth, into your heart, and filling your whole body with this perfect virgin love, removing all impurities from your heart, from your bones, from your blood, and from your minds. He's removing all the things we hold on to to take care of ourselves. He's removing the curse of the fall as we learn how to drink from the Father's hand in Eden today. There are times we spend with the Spirit, there are times we spend with the Lamb, and there are times we spend with our Heavenly Father. All three are incredibly important for our time with the Spirit is for our spirit. The time with the Lamb is for our flesh and blood. And the time with the Father is for our soul, so that the Trinity be fully formed in us, just like it was in Adam and Eve, as we're perfected in the new covenant reality, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come into financial partnership with this ministry, and you'll be so blessed. RedLetterMin.com. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Amen. Amen.